Today, we are going to take our fourth look at this month's theme, which is the freedom factor. Religious science founder Dr. Ernest Holmes wrote in The Science of Mind, and by the way, if you have never read The Science of Mind and you really want to learn a lot about yourself in life, buy a copy of the book and read it from cover to cover about 200 times. You won't get tired of it. There's something new every time you look at it, and you will find some growth. And something I noticed about the book that you'll probably find too, when you read it, all of a sudden you'll go, ding, that's what I needed to know right now. I know some people, one of them being my daughter, who can pick up the book and open it and say, that's what I wanted to know. She opens it to what she needs to know. And you can do that too. Get a copy of the book. Come here to the classes that we're going to be offering. Learn to use these things. You know, so many people can come to church and do nothing. We want you to come to church and grow. We want you to come to church and find out what you can do with life to make your life better. That's the wonder of this magnificent philosophy, this magnificent ability to love and to be. Come and use it. Now, religious science founder Ernest Holmes wrote, Freedom is the birthright of every living soul. Our inherent nature is forever seeking to express itself in terms of freedom. We do well to listen to this inner voice, for it tells us of a life wonderful in its scope, of a love beyond our fondest dreams, of a freedom which the soul craves. What is this inner voice? It is our spiritual intelligence. It is the intelligence of spirit. And what form does our spiritual intelligence take in us? It takes the form of wisdom. Today, we are going to look at wisdom. The Jewish Torah reads, Happy and free are those who find wisdom. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare to her. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget what is wisdom. Well, first, let me say that what wisdom is not. It's not simply human intelligence or knowledge. We know a lot of knowledgeable people that demonstrate momentarily that they're not particularly wise. And I know you know a bunch of those too. Human intelligence is the ability to learn and to think clearly and logically. It is the ability to consider complex issues. These are important capacities, of course, but wisdom is more. And likewise, wisdom is more than knowledge. Taoism is very clear on that. He who is learned is not wise. And you can play that with that for a while. See if you can understand it. If not, read the Tao. The Tao Te Ching. Our world is awash with information. And we are drowning in data. Each day sees new discoveries. And a single newspaper tells more about the world than someone a few centuries ago learned in a lifetime. Yet... Something is missing. We have knowledge of plenty, 
But wisdom, <laughs> that's another story. A mere glance at the extent of suffering and pain in the world makes it painfully clear that wisdom is in desperately short supply. Wisdom is essential not only for sane lives and societies, but also for spiritual awakening. What is the difference between knowledge and wisdom? Knowledge is the acquisition of information. Wisdom is understanding it. How many people do you know of that can come to church and can repeat verbatim scriptures, things from the Bible, from the Torah, from the science of mind textbook, by the mile, but they don't live them. One of the most difficult things in life is to live all of these things we talk about. If we could live all of those things we talk about in churches, we could revolutionize peace in the world. But that would require us to, to give a little bit. Knowledge is something we have. Wisdom is something we must become. Knowledge is expressed in words. Wisdom is expressed in our lives. Knowledge empowers. Wisdom empowers and enlightens. In fact, Buddhism claims one momentary glimpse of divine wisdom born of meditation is more precious than any amount of knowledge. Let me say that for you again. One momentary glimpse of divine wisdom born of meditation is more precious than any amount of knowledge. Wow. Gaining wisdom is one of the practices that runs through all of the great religions. What is this wisdom and how do we attain it? Well, the dictionary defines wisdom as understanding of what is true, right, or lasting. Now, here's a, a wonderful definition of wisdom. Deep understanding and practical skill in the central issues of life. In the central issues of life. When we think of biblical figures who have wisdom, we perhaps immediately think of King Solomon, who, as a very new king, asked God for wisdom, not for riches or a long life or victory over his enemies. He asked for wisdom on how to rule his people. And we probably all know the incredible story of the two women who were in a heated dispute over a baby. Here's what the scriptures have to say about that this is paraphrased a little but it makes it a little bit easier to understand now two women came to the king and stood before him and one woman said oh my lord this woman and i dwell in the same house and i gave birth while she was in the house then it happened the third day after i had given birth that this woman also gave birth and we were together no one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house and this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while my maidservant slept and laid him on her bosom. And when I rose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead. But when I examined him in the morning, indeed he was not my son whom I had borne. Then the other woman said, No! 
but the living one is my son, and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, no, but the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. Kind of a conundrum, isn't it? What do you do? How do you handle something like this? Could the handler of something like this possibly be practicing some powerful form of wisdom? If you have children and you try to solve their problems and answer their questions, you find that you're coming up against that wisdom wall often. But here's what happened here. The king said, bring me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, divide the living baby in two and give half to one and half to the other. Kind of scary, huh? Then the woman, whose son was living, spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son, and she said, O my Lord, give her the living child, and by no means kill him. But the other said, Let him be neither mine nor hers. Divide him. So the king answered and said, Give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is his mother. Isn't that wisdom? And here's an interesting aside. In First Kings, where this story is relayed, we learn that because Solomon asked for wisdom, he got everything else. Consistent with the idea of, Seek ye first the kingdom, and all things shall be added unto you. Isn't it? Wow. So how do we awaken wisdom in us? We don't want to go around having to face things like this. That's hard. That's difficult. That's impossible, many of us would say. But we must learn and learn to speak with love and with patience and with understanding. And sometimes it seems impossible. So we must prepare ourselves for wisdom first. And then... We must turn to sources of wisdom. The importance of being open to receive wisdom is beautifully portrayed in the classic Zen story about the meeting of a knowledgeable professor and a wise Zen master. You may have heard this, but it's worth repeating. The professor introduced himself to the Zen master and announced that he would like to learn something of Zen. Ah, very good, said the Zen master. Please come in. After they were seated, the Zen master began by speaking about the vital importance of ethical living in Zen. Yes, yes, interrupted the professor. Ethics is a fascinating topic, isn't it? I've studied several branches of it. In fact, I actually wrote a book on it. And he gathered speed and launched into a lecture on the various theories of ethics. Ah, I see, said the Zen master gently when at last the professor stopped to draw a breath. In Zen, he continued, the correct motivation for saying or doing anything is very important. And so we try to say only what is truly helpful. Well, said the professor, there are several theories which hold that view. However, I must say that I find each of them flawed. And he promptly delivered a long lecture on different theories of motivation. Hmm. I see, said the Zen master, when finally the professor paused for a moment. Would you like some tea, he said. Why, yes, thank you, replied the professor. The Zen master smiled and poured into the professor's cup until it was full. 
poured until the tea filled the saucer and continued pouring while the tea ran over the table. The professor, a man rarely at law, lost for words, as we've discovered, was stunned into silence. But when the hot tea started to pour in his lap, he leaped up, yelling. You might have done the same, wouldn't you? Stop! Can't you see that the cup is full? It can't take any more. Why, yes, I can see that, said this Zen master. And, and can't you see that your mind is completely full of old ideas and so can't take any more? Any more new ones? Therefore, you cannot possibly learn about Zen. If we're locked in old beliefs, how can we be open to wisdom? Very difficult. One Christian text recommends the following reflection as a means of releasing old concepts and opening to the sacred. Please listen to it as as I read it slowly and allow the words to work their healing effect upon you. Let us be still an instant and forget all things we ever learned, all thoughts we had, and every preconception that we hold of what things mean and what their purpose is. Let us remember not our own ideas of what the world is for. Simply do this. Be still. And lay aside all thoughts of what you are and what God is. All concepts you have learned about the world, all images you hold about yourself. Do not bring with you one thought the past has taught, nor one belief you ever learned before from anything. Forget this world. Forget this course and come with holy, empty hands unto your God. Once we ready ourselves, where do we find wisdom? Eventually, everywhere, in every person, in every situation and experience to which we bring an open, inquiring mind. Yet although it is possible to learn from all people and all things, religious traditions especially recommend five sources. I want to look at two today, one briefly and one in more depth. But I'll tell you, all five, otherwise you'll be sitting wondering what they are instead of listening to the two, right? The religious traditions advise us to seek wisdom in nature. Go outside Look at the sky, the trees, listen to the water. In silence and solitude, be still. Do not try to fill the the quiet in your mind with chatter. Rather try to see it, be still. From the wise, listen to those you consider wise. There's a difficulty with this. Sometimes when you listen to the wise, you'll you'll find they aren't particularly wise. They're following somebody else's path. And as you learn from them, you'll develop your own path. And we'll find wisdom in ourselves. Within yourself, you will find that wisdom. And you'll find it from reflecting on the nature of life and death. That's pretty heavy, huh? So which two shall I pick? First from the wise, 
second from ourselves. From the wise spiritual reading, read not for information, read with the intent to gain wisdom. Read and reflect. Don't speed read through. It's become the great thing in our society because of the incredible volume of literature and understanding and knowledge that we have that we learn to speed read. And if we can finish a 400-page book in an hour, we've got it made. But try to repeat some of that. I have known some people who had the eidetic memory and could remember those things. But they seemed no better than those who didn't, couldn't. They were still listening. And they were still searching. And they still were attempting to understand. Take classes. Now here's a note. This is a a great time to think about classes we're going to be offering here. We're going to be having, for instance, on the class very briefly, uh, an eight-week class in self-mastery. It'll be one class a week for eight weeks. And if you do the classes and you listen to them and don't try to analyze them or go up against them, just listen to them and accept what's being said. You'll find a lot of information happening to you. Recognize your teachers and their gifts. Seek the company of the wise. Surround yourself with wise people. And again, you'll find that some of those you thought were wise, not much, and some of those that you didn't think were much at all are brilliant. We told the story a long time ago about the lady that was known in the small town to always have something good to say about someone. And one day the town drunk died. And everyone went to the funeral to find out what she could possibly say about this person who had abandoned his family, who had abandoned his wife, who had abandoned his home, and did everything wrong. And they went to the graveside as she went down, and they were interring the man, and they listened to her. The minister finished his speech, and they all turned to the lady, and she said as she walked away, well... He always whistled well. How's that for wisdom? Finding something good in someone that everyone else thought was nothing. Gives you something to try for, doesn't it? Join an empowerment group, a mastermind group, a group of people in your profession who are a few steps ahead of you. Jack Canfield tells a great story about speaking with Tony Robbins once. He said, how is it, Tony, that that you and I both do the same thing? We write books and coach people to be more of who they thought they were. Notice that? We invite people to do more to find who they thought they were. We do the same thing, but you make many times more money than I do. Why is that? Tony Robbins responded by asking Canfield how much his five closest friends made. Canfield said, about the same amount of money as I do, Robbins said. And that is your problem. The five people I hang out with make at least twice the amount of money I do. And learn from yourselves. Do you know how brilliant and wise you really are? Do you have any idea the power that is available to you if you just breathe and allow yourself to receive it? 
An Islamic sage once said, self-knowledge is the shortest road to the knowledge of God. Self-knowledge is the shortest road to the knowledge of God. For all the books you read and all the classes you take and all the things you talk about, do you know yourself? Do you know your reaction to things? Do you feel those things happening within you? Do you recognize them and allow yourself to pull back from previous thoughts to say, ah, something different. Let me look at it. And then as you're looking at it, find yourself gently moving forward. Lasso wrote, knowledge studies others. Wisdom is self-known. We have within us remarkable wisdom that will guide and help us if we learn how to recognize and draw on it. So we're going to spend our final few moments here today tapping into the wisdom that is within you. It's there already. You don't have to put it there. You don't have to force it to be there or try to make it up or plant it. It's there. Do you think that even a second before King Solomon said, let's cut the baby in half, he knew he was going to say that? I don't think it was rehearsed. I sincerely doubt it. But he had prayed for wisdom, and the wisdom was delivered when he needed it. So we're going to pray for wisdom. Please think of a situation in your life where you would like the ability to access your innate wisdom. Something that you want to really get clear on. Something you want to think about. Perhaps a conflict you're having in some area of your life and you don't know whether to turn left or right, up or down. Think of something. You have it? Good. Let's pray. There is an infinite love in this universe. An infinite wisdom that is part of us. And we have the ability now to call forth all of that that lives within us. We are able to look at our lives and look at them with new wisdom, with new understanding, not just with memorization and knowledge and what-ifs, but the thing that says, come, this is you. And you can call forth that which will help you with the problem you are facing now, looking at the challenges in your life, knowing that in this silence, the answer is coming before you, for it was within you all this time. And perhaps you overlooked it as being too small. No. Now listen to it. See it. Experience it. And know that the wisdom for this problem will always be revealed in the perfect time, in just the right moment, even if that moment turns out to not be right now. Experience the question. Let yourself be open, not to what someone else says, but open to that inner self, that inner voice that you hear in your life and so often ignore. Let yourself hear that voice. Ask your question. Let yourself be. And in just the right moment, from now on in the silence, you will find that voice throughout everything you're doing will suddenly pop out and reveal to you the answer to your question. And you will probably find yourself grinning from ear to ear as it comes forth and you say, I thought so.
give thanks that the answer to your problem is already done and release it and let it be and say, so let it be and so it is. Amen.